Hey, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. Hope you enjoy the message. Amen, amen, amen. So if you've been doing the We Read with us, you know what's coming today. See, Jeremy read ahead, and he had the story of the alabaster jar, and he was convinced that I was going to preach about the alabaster jar and was all ready to rock and roll in that. And I said, no, we're, we're going to tear the roof off. He said, oh, oh, curveball. Um, but hey, uh, there are new bookmarks out in the lobby for the We Read. We Read is uh, the, this Bible reading plan we've got going on here at the church. Monday through Friday, it's usually 10 to 30 verses a day. It takes about 5 to 10 minutes to read. Um, but as we go through it together as a church, um, then it's, uh, it's a wonderful just corporate activity for us to get in the scripture together. And then Sunday, I pick one of those. Well, I pick it earlier than that. But uh, on Sunday, I pick one of those scriptures uh, to preach on and dive a little bit deeper into. Hopefully a lot more uh, deeper into. But that's what we go. We've been doing that for about, I don't know, two years now? Got through a lot of the scripture. It's been a blast. All right, so this morning we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, put your finger there. But before I have a few questions for you, have you ever made the mistake of talking to a third grade boy about Pokemon? <laughs> By your laughter, mistakes were made. How about a first grader about Roblox? <laughs> My nephew will talk for hours about a game named Doors. It took me about 45 minutes to realize he was talking about Roblox. I had no idea what was going on. I just shook my head a lot. Right? Passion. Obsession. Everything directed towards this. Maybe you've talked to me about the Dodgers. <laughs> Same kind of thing happens. Or a Bears fan in September. <laughs> December, it's different. But in September, right? There's this, oh, so I, wasn't going, I was promising myself I wasn't going to make that joke. But it, it happened anyway. Sorry about that. I apologize. <laughs> I'm so mad. You're so mad. I'm sorry about that. All right. Right? The passion, the intentionality, everything is about that. If you, you grab a hold of that third grader with Pokemon cards, oh, my goodness. It goes on and on and on. And you learn words you never knew were actually existing. And uh, that passion really kind of grabs a hold of who we are or who they are at that moment and how they direct that. Uh, and, and then... You find yourself, the longer that conversation goes on, and their passion rubs off on you. And you find yourself like, oh, well, maybe I'll, like, I don't know, do some research. I'll watch a TV show. I want to know what Roblox is because my nephew's so excited about it. What, what is this? I, I'm, I'm interested. You look up some things on the Internet or you go buy a pack of Pokemon cards, and next thing you know, you've started to invest in this. Maybe not. Maybe, but whatever. The same thing holds true, like that passion grabs a hold of you and says, I'm going to give this a chance because if it means that much to somebody I care about, I'm going to start to at least open up myself to it. I may have no interest in said subject, but the passion that they are bringing to it, it's got to have some sort of value. It has to have some sort of validity to it. And I want to kind of grab a hold of that feeling this morning as we dive into Mark chapter 2. This is one of my favorite scriptures in all of all the Bible. 
when, yeah, I knew it would be, because whenever mom would teach it in the in kids' ministry, um, back when I was a little person, that was my favorite Sundays ever. It just captured me. Do you mean to tell me that some people can destroy somebody else's house and they're the good guys? It's really important to a seven-year-old Jared. <laughs> All right? So uh, here we go. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such a large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Now, time out. They weren't thinking, Why did they just destroy the roof? Just time in. Right? Okay, so... Um, there we go. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, if you were one of these four friends, you're trying your best not to fall in the hole when you see your friend get up and walk. Like, can you imagine the happy dance that's going on upstairs? Like, just the sound, the rumbling. You know when we have a bunch of kids downstairs and Laura's teaching and she gets them all riled up and, uh, and they start screaming down there, like that, that rumbling, like what is going on right now? Like that, <laughs> just the, the whole cacophony of that would have been absolutely fantastic to be a part of. We have so many things grabbing our attention. In life, we've got sports and hobbies and work and kids and uh, TV shows and whatever we're consuming. But how do we grab a hold of the most important thing? Getting people to Jesus. Like the passion points of what we have are on the periphery of our lives. They take hours of our time. I don't know if you guys get your screen report for your, if you have an iPhone on Sunday morning. I do. Oh, it's always, always a moment of accountability at like 9.15. Your screen re- the time was up 56% last week. Oh. It's always a victory. If it's like, it was down 20%. Yes. I wasn't addicted to this device in my pocket as much this week as I was last week. Um, and so what, what is grabbing a hold of our passion points? What's grabbing a hold of our attention? What's, what are we devoted towards? And as we live our lives, if, we want, if we're going, hey, my life doesn't have a purpose that I'm thinking it should. My life doesn't have the meaning that I'm thinking it should. There's something missing in my life. If we are a follower of Christ, that passion point is filled in for us. It is to get others to Jesus. So much so that we are equipped to tear the roof off of a house to get them to him. 
Notice who does not get in trouble in this moment. It's the guys guilty of destruction of property. They are not even mentioned. Who's in trouble? The people that are causing problems for getting someone to Jesus. The Pharisees nitpicking about someone getting healed, somebody getting forgiven. Oh, you didn't hold your tongue right. You're doing it wrong. Those are the people causing issues. Those are the people that are, that are getting in trouble. Those are the people that are in contention with, with Jesus. Who does Jesus not have any problems with? The guys that are lowering people from the ceiling that have torn the roof off. Now, the buildings are a little bit different. They're probably, it's a thatch or a uh, plaster-esque mud thing uh, on their house. So I just see these guys. We talked about before service that we should have had a fireman come over with like the roof ripping axe and just showing a demonstration of what it would like to tear the roof off something. But like, can you imagine what this looked like? This story is kind of hard to grab a hold of unless you have crazy friends. I have some insane college friends. Insane. Kelly will attest to this. They're a little nuts. One night, I was studying for a test. Yes, I was studying. I was studying for a test. I know the credibility may be shot a little bit. I was studying for a test, but I was the only one on the floor. And if you're my age, you know exactly how important this is. Um, I was the only one on the floor with a Nintendo 64 and Goldeneye. There we go, right? The gold standard of video games at that time. There was none of this Call of Duty stuff that you could like play on the, the interwebs. Uh, like you couldn't do that. You had to all be connected to the same device, the same TV, and yelling at each other in the moment. Right? It was beautiful. Except I had to study for a test. I'd probably skipped too many classes already, and I had to study for this test. But I was the only one with the N64, and my friends were sliding notes mean notes underneath the door. They were trying to crawl in through the drop ceiling above the room. They were, they were doing anything they could to get in there to cause peer pressure to make me give them the N64. I should have just unplugged it and handed it to them. That did not go through my head. I was just annoyed with them. But my crazy friends were willing to do anything for this. And so I know that the people ripping the roof, the guys ripping the roof off this were like 22 years old idiots that says you know what just dumb enough to believe that if they got this guy to Jesus he'd be healed just crazy enough just intense enough just willing enough if I just got him to Jesus it's all gonna take care of folks how many excuses do we have just thinking about it about the people important to us I need to get them to Jesus, but they're cranky with me. I need to get them to Jesus, but that's an awkward conversation. I need to get them to Jesus, but I don't know exactly what to say. I, I need to get to them to Jesus, but, however, all these things. Except these guys, like, you know they didn't even take a shovel to the roof. They just got up there and were like, let's rip it apart. There doesn't need to be a, a deep thought through thing. It's, no, you need Jesus, and that's the only thing that's going to fix this issue, and I've got to stop at nothing to get you to Jesus. And this is the mentality in which we have to grab a hold of in our own lives, and I don't think it's there. I know it's not in my own life, and I bet it's not in yours. We have to grab a hold of this has to be a, a 
consuming passion of our lives to get those around us to Jesus. Are we desperate to get our friends to Jesus? Are we willing to commit a felony to get people to Jesus? Like, in some countries, it would be a felony to get people to Jesus. We have the freedom that that's not here, but are we willing to go the extra, extra, extra mile to get someone to Jesus? I'd love to know what Jesus was thinking when the dust started falling from the ceiling. Because he, like, how much of the Jesus card is he playing? He knows exactly what's going to happen. Or like, <laughs> that's funny. Like, is he just, like, talking and, like, giggling? It's one of those things where there's a distraction in the room, but he's like, oh, that's hilarious. No one's going to be paying attention. Or he's like, okay, i got to really focus in here, make sure everybody's paying attention to me, and all of a sudden, plop. Here comes this guy <laughs> coming down from the roof. Like, I don't know. How's Jesus doing that? Or does he just stop? And just let it happen. Build the anticipation. Like, let's just let it. I got something in my eye. Okay, yep. Quit looking up. Uh, yeah. what, how does that go about? Because I want to draw, maximize all of it because these knuckleheads are so passionate. I, guys, I was going to come to your house like right after this. You could have waited 15. Cool. This is a better object lesson, guys. Appreciate you. I don't know. Like, how would this person have been healed otherwise if they, their friends wouldn't have? These are the questions I ask of the scripture all the time. Like, what, how does this work? Jesus just takes it into stride. The Pharisees have no idea what's going on. And often, I think we play the role of the Pharisees. You can't work this way, God. This wasn't the way we planned it. This wasn't the schedule. This wasn't on planning center. This didn't make my calendar. And she's just like, I'll blow all that stuff away. It doesn't matter. What matters is the audacity to get people to Jesus. So what's our role in this? We must be recklessly passionate about getting people to Jesus. We must be recklessly passionate about getting people to Jesus. Recklessly passionate about getting people to Jesus. I think we missed some of the words in this sentence, specifically the reckless part. We may be passionate about it. We don't know what to do with our passion. Like, these guys are willing to tear somebody's roof apart. They're willing to, if I'm the homeowner and all of a sudden a roof starts falling in, there's going to be some words to be spoken. Now, that would be mitigated quickly when someone that's paralyzed stands up and starts walking. But my first reaction would be like, what is happening here? We must be recklessly passionate about getting people to Jesus. What do we need for that? How do we undertake that, that mission? First thing we need is courage. We need courage. All throughout the Bible, there is a <laughs> statement brought to us from God and from angels. Um, it was a statement to people who are going to do something amazing. Be strong and courageous. We need to tap into this courage. This is a statement. Hey, 
There is, I need you to step into this spot. What is God calling us to do? He is calling us to bring our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors to him. What do we need to do in that? We need to be courageous, be strong and courageous. We have to grab a hold of that promise for our lives. Not weak and timid. We have to be strong and courageous, specifically in the spot of bringing people to Jesus. But I'm not loud and boisterous, and I don't, I don't do all that stuff. That, that, that has nothing to do with it. Being strong and courageous in how we bring someone to Jesus. We don't have to be in front of a, a big group of people. We don't have to have lights in our face. We don't have to have any of those kinds of things going on to be strong and courageous in how we lead people, get people to Jesus. I also have fantastic news for you about this courage aspect. After Jesus ascends into heaven, sends the helper, the Holy Spirit, to us. The Holy Spirit's role is to be the helper and the guide. What is he helping and guiding? He's helping believers in Christ and guiding them get people to Jesus. That is the Holy Spirit's function. We are not alone in this. It is a trick of Satan to make us feel like we don't have what it takes, that we are alone, that we're the only one. And yet a third of the Trinity, God himself, is focused in on helping us, giving us the courage, the passion, and the wisdom to get people to Jesus. We have, power, we have access to that power. To get people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is there for us. Second thing we do when we talk to people about Jesus, when we start leading people to Jesus, is uh, the big, the big, the big, big hesitation is I don't know what to say. One, it's the Holy Spirit's job. Don't worry about it. Second, often it's what you don't say that pulls people closer to Jesus quicker. Listen more than you speak. Sometimes the best thing, my wife tells me, the best thing I can say is nothing. She doesn't say that. But listen more than you speak. Hear someone's heart. You can't listen when your mouth's moving. Shut your mouth. Listen to their heart. Listen to what's going on underneath. They may be giving you all kinds of different pain points or stuff on the top, but what's really happening is this deep-seated loneliness, this deep-seated need for connection, this deep-seated guilt for some, something that happened in their past. And when you listen more than you speak, then you can speak truth and love and grace and mercy of Jesus into their lives. Listen more than you speak. Next thing we have to be able to do is get okay with not being okay. Leading people to Jesus is difficult. Taking people to Jesus is uncomfortable. Just look at our heroes of the story. The guys, like the guys getting on the roof, were not comfortable. This was not the way in which they're probably their day had planned. They had planned a, a mundane way of getting their friend to Jesus. They weren't, they weren't setting out to cause destruction of property. That wasn't their number one goal. But they were okay with not being comfortable. And so many times in our lives, 
we are fine. We'll go from this message today. And like, yes, I need to talk to somebody. I need to invite somebody to church. I need to talk to somebody to Jesus. I need to invite this woman to the if table. I need to invite somebody to youth, whatever. But as soon as it becomes uncomfortable, we're like, never mind, God wasn't in it. I'm not going to do that. That's just not true. We have to get okay with not being okay. We care entirely too much about what somebody else may think of us. We need to have the passion and the, uh, the, <laughs> the directed focus of a third grader with a Pokemon card. Just abandon what may be judged upon us. Because if we're speaking, now if we're speaking judgment and we're speaking hate and all that stuff, that's not of God. If we're speaking love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, I, it, go ahead and be mad at me. I shared love with you. Okay. Man, a Jared guy, he just loves people too much. What a terrible thing to be thought of, right? Oh, man. He's, he, yeah, it can be annoying. But don't we all need people in our lives? They're like, ah, that guy cares. Man. That woman, she just, she sees right through all of my bluster. Be okay with being okay, be okay with not being okay. So how, how do we get people to Jesus? I want to give you a little more practical stuff to grab a hold of. First, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. This is huge in our lives. Absolutely ground shifting in how we approach our prayer life. And it is pray <coughs> for people, not at them. Pray for them, not at them. What does this look like? Lord, pre please be with Kennedy. She's driving me crazy. She's got all these issues. Oh my goodness. Kennedy, I went back and watched a couple of my messages lately, and I mentioned you more than my kids. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. Um, I did get uh, saved in her phone as dad number two. So uh, I feel like I can now. Uh, all right. So but, but you go pray for them, not at them. Right? So now we pray for them. Oh, would you be, I'm going to do this now because I was mean to you. Would you be with Kennedy today as she goes to school? Would you give her courage to live her life uh, in, in a blessing way um, at Timber Ridge Middle School? Well, it's hard enough being a teenage girl. Lord, Lord, would you just guide her? Would you surround her with amazing friends and make her home life amazing? Like, you see the difference? We pray at people. We pray at our spouses sometimes. Lord Jesus, make them not the way they are. <laughs> right? And Jesus is like, well, you married them. Uh, you knew what you're kidding. No, we pray at, we even pray at our kids. Lord, give me patience because I'm going to kill them. No, let's pray for them. We pray at our in-laws instead of for them. We pray at our boss or our coworkers instead of for them. We pray at our neighbors. Why do they do that at 7 a.m.? Right? For them. It's an attitude shift, but it's a huge attitude shift. Because when we are praying at somebody, we are not bringing them to Jesus. When we pray for somebody, we are open to the possibility of bringing them to Jesus. You, you catch that. That is an internal shift. That is how we change our posture so that we are ready at the moment to lead someone to Jesus. Now, the million-dollar question is, how do I lead someone to Jesus? Invite them to Jesus with this statement. I once was this, and now 
I am this. I was this, but Jesus happened to me. And if we're not in tune with how that has changed in our lives, we need to do some serious internal praying and working. Lord, how am I different? Am I different? Have I really internalized the grace of Jesus in my life? Have I let your Holy Spirit move in me so that I am a different person from when I met you to I am now? And that takes some some work. And some of it might be messy and tough. But how do we invite to Jesus? Simple. We don't have to have all the Bible answers. We always think, i got to go to three classes and go to a conference and got to get a degree so that I could lead some. No, 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 no. It's as simple as I once was this, but Jesus happened, and now I am this. That's Paul's setup. I once was a jerk face. I met Jesus, and now I lead people to him. I once killed people. I met Jesus, and now I don't kill people. Yay, right? It's a great testimony. And yours might not be as dramatic as St. Paul's, okay? But we, I once was this, I met Jesus, and now I am this. So we pray for them, not at them, which prepares our heart to be able to have a conversation of I once was this, and now I am this. Because if we are praying at someone, we're not ready to have a conversation in our hearts and in our heads and out loud that I once was this and this. No, we're ready to have a conversation if we're praying at someone to say, you're wrong this way. Right, that's what happens. So if we change our mindset, change the way in which we're um, encountering someone by praying for them, not at them, then we invite to Jesus. What else can we do? We can invite to church. Hey, we're doing this thing at church. Hey, I think church is awesome. Hey, I got this community of really neat people that I'd love for you to be a part of. Could you come check it out? That's really, really scary. I know, but you get to have coffee and it's cool. Invite to church. It's not the only way to invite somebody to Jesus, but it's a great way. It's been working pretty well for 2,000 years. Invite into the Bible. Invite into the Bible. The We Read is a fantastic place to grab a hold of in this. Because our uh, society is interested in the scripture. They're very, very, very skeptical of church. There's a lot of church trauma. You just have to turn on the news. And that church is weird. This church is weird. That church is the... I mean, I'm, we, we, they've got issues. They've got problems. Leaders have fallen. But people are very, 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 very interested in what the Bible has to say. So invite into the Bible. I've been getting some emails from people who um, they have questions about the scripture, except it's not the scripture, it's someone on YouTube talking about the scripture. Okay, there is an interest there. There's a heart yearning there. There's a moment there. And so we have to have the courage to be like, hey, would you, would you do this thing with me? It takes like 10 minutes a day. Uh, Kendall's been doing this. Uh, she's, I was like, what are you doing? Who are you FaceTiming? And she's FaceTiming her friends, and they are doing a we read or going through a book of the Bible and reading it together and then talking about it. Now, if a 14-year-old can do that on FaceTime, guess what, folks? You all can do it too. Right? It's like, what's, I was like, hey, I got mad. I don't off. Like she, she, she flies under the... She's smart enough to be quiet when she's doing something wrong. So she... she I was... I walked past her room and I heard her talking. It's like 10.30 at night. I'm like, what is happening? Like, no, we're not on the phone at 10.30 at night. And one, your phone's not supposed to be in your room at night. But I'm good. I'm all, I'm geared up. I'm like, here we go. 
Here we go. Bowen, listen, because this one I'm going to get your sister. <laughs> Bust in that door. Boom. What are you doing? I'm doing a wee read with so-and-so. You're reading a Bible with somebody. Okay, well, you need to turn it off. Like, it really, I don't know if it was true. I probably was. But yeah. <laughs> Mention, side note, kids, you know, parents bust in. I was reading the Bible. It was too, too. No. So they were having a, a wee read. They were going through the scripture together. It was with Caitlin, I believe, uh, at way late at night. How awesome is that to walk in on? However, how are we living our lives in that, are we willing to take the chance? Are we willing to go, you know, I really need to, to jump into this. And also, maybe we've been struggling to read the scripture ourselves. You know what will hold you accountable faster than anything is ask a friend to read the Bible with you that has no, no relationship with God. That will hold you accountable. I got to do it because they're going to ask me questions and I don't know the answers to the questions. And I don't, I, and when you do that with a friend, I'm going to take the pressure off here. I'm going to take all the pressure off. It is totally fine to say, I have no clue what the answer to that question is. That is sometimes and often the most spiritual answer you can give about the scripture. No idea what's going on right now. Now, you can do, but I'll try to find out. And then you send me an email, and then I will respond, I have no clue what is going on right then. And then I'll call my dad. And he's like, well, Jared, that's really good. And he'll give me a long-winded answer, and then he'll say, but really, I have no idea what's going on at that moment. <laughs> right? Because the honesty of it is sometimes we just don't know. And other times, like, oh, no, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's look at it, and I can give you a really good answer. And, oh, that makes total sense. Wonderful. But that's the beauty of wrestling with the Scripture and getting into it. And then, and then you take that back to your friend. Hey, I was thinking about what we read last week, and I talked to my pastor about it, and I really valued what you were thinking about, and this is what they had to say. So now you validated your friend's journey, the questions that they've had. Know that now not only am I wrestling with whatever issue you've got, but I've got my pastor thinking, praying about it, and wants to, to help you in this moment as well. So think about the relational validity that's going on in that. You were thought about. You were prayed for. You were, I went and sought extra help just to help you in whatever moment you're going through. Is that, you see that? That's non-threatening. And that all happened because I said, I don't have a clue what's going on. Not, well, let me teach you about all of the ways in which you are dumb right now. That's the wrong, no, we're not asking to do that. We've tried to be experts. That hasn't worked. How about we be authentic? Invite. Oh, this one's on there twice. Huh? Never mind. Um, I, the praying is so important, you should do it again. <laughs> so, invite, but rehash it though. How do we start those relationships? We pray for people instead of at them. We pray for people instead of at them. We invite them to Jesus. I once was this, and now I'm this. We invite to church. Hey, there's a community that I know, like doing life by yourself is so hard. And maybe you feel kind of in this weird spot where you don't want to be with your old friends because they're driving you into a way of life in which you don't want to be in. Or maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your, your coworkers. It's just if I'm in that environment, I know that I, I've become someone I don't want to be. And I need a new environment. Folks, the church is built to be that new environment. We invite into the word. God has something to say to your heart in your situation. There's so much wisdom and guidance that can be gleaned from the scripture when we do it in community. The Bible was always, always, 
always meant to be read in community. It was not supposed to be something that we did in our own time, on, on a secluded away. It was always meant to be read in community. Until about 500 AD, it was always read out loud in groups. There weren't enough Bibles to go around. The printing press was an amazing thing that got Bibles into all of our hands. However, it took away this need for us to read it in community. There's something beautiful that happens when we read together. Our life groups here at the church, when we read the scripture together, we discuss topics together, and we do it in community. You get to know people and their stories in beautiful ways and the different lenses in which they bring to the scripture, and it illuminates the Bible and, and illuminates God in beautiful and amazing ways. Folks, we have to be passionate about getting people to Jesus. We have to be reckless about it. We must be recklessly passionate about getting people to Jesus. This has to be a default position of our life. We cannot be lazy in this. We cannot just have an apathetic feeling. We can't just go, eh, somebody else will do it because somebody else isn't going to do it. We have to be called to it. We are called to it. We have to live out that calling. When Jesus gives us the Great Commission, he didn't just give select people the Great Commission to go and make disciples. He gave it to all believers to do that. You are called. You are anointed. You are to live this out. We are called, we are anointed to tear the roof off some houses and get people to Jesus. Because there's people in our lives, whether emotionally, spiritually, physically, they are paralyzed and need Jesus. You don't have to do the healing. You don't, you don't do the hard work. You just drop somebody down a ceiling. Right? I think that holds us back, though, sometimes. Is that we think, I can't heal them. You're not supposed to heal them. We get so invested and we get into uh, kind of needy relationships. Like, oh, I've got to, Emma needs me. You know, <laughs> whatever. I've got to talk to Jason tonight. Jason needs me, he needs me. No, 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 Jason needs Jesus. You just get to be a part of the story. We put ourselves in the, the danger when we're not in tune with God enough in this is we put ourselves in the place of Jesus and we want to become the hero of the story. We ain't not, we're not really the hero of the story. We just get to just destroy some property and lower people to Jesus. Jesus still does the healing. Jesus still does the forgiving of the sins. You guys get the difference in that? Because when we talk about get some, lead your friend to Jesus, introduce them to Jesus, we immediately, our anxiety levels just went, can't do that. Heartburn started percolating in people's lives in, right here in this room. Because I don't have all the answers. I don't know how to say it. I don't know. If I hold my tongue right, if they say no, how destroyed am I going to be? Listen, folks, that's not your role. Your role is to lower them down and say, here's my friend, Jesus. I think they're pretty awesome. I think you're pretty awesome. So if you, could you like do your thing? That's your role. You don't have to know have all the answers. Take the pressure off. But you have to be recklessly passionate about getting people to Jesus. That, there is no, that is your responsibility. You can't relinquish that. But you don't have to have all the answers once you get them there. I hope you can see the difference. This morning we're going to take communion. Because, um, Emma, if you could hand me one of those, that'd be great. 
If you are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are more than welcome to take communion with us today. You don't have to go through a special class. You don't have to do anything um, special that way. We practice open communion here at Water's Edge. I was thinking about communion this morning and taking it um, at the end of this service, and I thought, I don't know where we should put it. And I started thinking about more and praying through it. I thought, what a beautiful, actually, place to take communion. Because until we internalize and grab a hold of all that God has done for us, we can't grab a hold of all that God wants to do for our friends. Like, when we understand who Jesus is for us, how he has redeemed us, restored us, and set us on a new path, how he has called us to live for him, when we grab a hold of that, when the Holy Spirit just like bursts alive in our lives, then we can't help but be recklessly passionate about getting our friends to Jesus. And so this morning as we take communion, I would calm ourselves and think about, Lord, would you remind me of the first time I took communion, the first time I asked you into my heart, the first time I felt your presence in my life? Would you burst that forth in me? That I would remember what it's like. Lord, would you give me a passion to lead people to you. So as we take communion this morning, let's remember all that Jesus has done for us, to forgive us of our sins, that he would stop at nothing to have relationship with us, but also he would stop at nothing to have relationship with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with your family, with your friends, with your classmates. That same love that's been available to you is available to them as well. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this moment and this time. Lord, we ask you to bless us and guide us in all that we do. Lord, that this week we would have a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would feel you invigorate our lives. God, would you give us new lenses in our eyes that we would see people as you see them. That our heart would ache for those in our lives that we want to get them to you so badly that we are willing to do anything. That it's okay if we feel that we seem a little weird or a little odd. It's all right. Because we're going to err on the side of love. We're going to err on the side of compassion. We're going to err on the side of grace. We want to get people to you. Jesus, would you give us that power? Would you give us that strength? Would you give us that motivation? Would you give us that passion this morning? As the world and all of our excuses try to crush it and snuff it out, Lord, would you just say no and fan that flame in us? Open it in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe, and don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.